today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Hi, this is Scott Thompson, and welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, wall-to-wall, SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould, and Gerald Butt's testimony. Today, as we speak, Gerald Butts is testifying uh, right now in uh, and uh, giving his side of the story, which we heard Jody Wilson Raybould's uh, uh, way back when last Wednesday, I believe. And uh, we are slowly hearing his side of the story. Let's bring in. We're, we're going to talk to various guests about this throughout the course of the hour, uh, and 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 touch on this in, in different angles. It's kind of difficult to do as the story is kind of unfolding as we are we are actually on the air. But uh, as you know, Gerald. Butts has been testifying today in regard to the SNC-Lavalin affair. Uh, to talk more about what we have heard to date, let's bring in Jonathan Rose, Associate Professor, Queen's University. He is with us now. Jonathan, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Happy to talk, Scott. So your thoughts on what you've seen so far of Gerald Butts' testimony? Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's a bit difficult to comment since it's going on right now. I'm watching on my screen as we're talking. But, you know, what uh, butts had to do uh, is go in and make a plausible case that there were that there could be miscommunication, and um, I think he did that really effectively. Actually, uh, he could have gone in arguing that he was right and that he had evidence to support he was right, and that the former attorney general and justice minister was wrong, um, but he didn't, and I think. The way he played his role in all this was really, frankly, deftly handled. Um, and we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of media coverage occurs as a result of it. But um, I thought he used his relationship with Jody Wilson-Raybould to really great effect. Uh, in in short, he said the former minister and I were good friends. Uh, she was over to my house. We had our spouses eat together, and we ate together. And uh, he quoted very familiar texts that they sent back and forth, as friends do. And he implied that if there was coercion or improper um, uh, judgment on this, she would have said something because they were such good friends. And the fact that she didn't, uh, he said, made it seem like it, it seemed implausible. I so, thought it was a great performance, actually. So is it pot, like he's trying to, 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 to say that this was just all misrepresentation? It was a misunderstanding? We saw something one way, she saw something another? Well, I mean, he's got to straddle a very fine line because what the opposition is saying now is, uh, are you saying the minister was wrong? And, of course... That would be a perfect gift to the opposition to say former principal secretary is calling into question a former minister, but he's not. He's not taking the bait, and he's saying, well, there's good reasons why reasonable people could disagree on the same experience, and that's what is happening, he said. So it's more than a he said, she said thing, because he provided evidence about the degree to which they conversed about the issue, um, Jody Wilson-Raybould famously said, you know, I was t- consulted uh, 10 times uh, over a period of time by 11 different people, or 11 times or by 10 different people. And um, but said over a two-hour meal in the Chateau Laurier in December, they talked about it at the end of the meal briefly. Um, and Butts' argument is not that he was trying to influence the minister, 
but rather that he wanted the minister to avail herself of all of the resources that could be brought to bear in her decision. It's kind of a subtle dis- it's kind of a subtle difference, but it's an important one. So he's saying make sure you're well supported in whatever you decide. Um, he said that um, uh, that he felt the pressure was warranted or the discussions were warranted um, and ongoing because she had not made her decision. Yet right. she says that she had, in her testimony, that she had talked to various members of staff and, and, and thought that it was continually continuing to be too much pressure. Um, why is it significant that, uh, first of all, do you think that she think, do you, do you think that she had actually made her decision at that point? Uh, does he have a point in the sense that it wasn't documented that she had made her decision in writing? Yeah, I mean, the chronology is uh, uh, an important point of fact, and it remains to be seen whether his chronology matched hers. But I think it's really what's important for this is to step away from the minutiae and the details. Otherwise, it just becomes a he said, she said. And it's more than that. It's really around what is the appropriate role of an independent attorney general uh, in a government that has political aspirations, like all governments. So, you know, around the cabinet table, the prime minister uh, is a political person, as are cabinet ministers. One can say, and it's reasonable to say, look, we have a political problem here. We have a company in Quebec that is uh, uh, that has 9,000 jobs that um, a decision might cost us some seats there. What are we going to do about it? That's an entirely reasonable and appropriate thing a prime minister would do. But is that case. is that her problem to solve? That's his problem to solve, not hers. That, and yeah, she's and she's giving him her legal advice. It's in other words, I understand that you're knocking on doors here, but this door is closed. If you know, she's not you know, she it's not she's not the prime minister here. It's not up to her to do that. It's up to him to do that within the guidelines legally she has provided. No? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So, um, the so why would you be asking her to make his decision for him? Him. Well, uh, the prime minister and Butts were consistent in saying it's your decision to make, but just be aware of the other calculations that come into play. To me, it sounds like we're keeping we're going to continue to ask until we get an answer we want. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's Jody Wilson Raybould's. Uh, and Jane Philpott's argument. Um, so, is that uh, a valid argument? I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, do you do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think there's a real fine line between what is overt pressure and what is reasonable to expect. Now, uh, but the decision was made here that that right. that that they were not going to accept this deal. That decision was made, and then they were trying to get pressure to override overrule that. So uh, again, uh, you know, um, <laughs> if this is left up to the public, how do you think the court of public opinion? How do you think they're going to weigh in on this? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the testimony Butts gave today was really around the discussions they had prior to her making the decision. So this decision about this timing issue is important, uh, and uh, Ribald Wilson may say correctly that she was pressured after she made a decision. But um, 
I, I, again, I think the bigger issue is really around ethics and trust in government. And that's the issue that people should be focused on, not the minutiae of the timing and so forth. And to me, that's the issue that the opposition party will um, grab onto. I mean, it's really a kind of a golden gift for Andrew Scheer. Uh, and uh, it's this is the issue that's going to be most likely a ballot box question in October. And what remains to be seen is how it is framed. Is it framed around courting Quebec uh, uh, corporate elite, or is it framed around a male prime minister who claims to be feminist pushing around women in cabinet, or is it claimed that uh, this is um, uh, an issue of ethics? I mean, all three of those frames, I think, are reasonable. We don't know yet. I think we'll see a combination of all of that, because one yeah. leads in, in, into the other. Um, uh what happens to SNC-Lavalin and all this? Because as you mentioned, there's three different, uh, there, there's a couple of different angles to go at this. It, it seems now we're getting caught in the he said and she said version mm-hmm. of, this, of this testimony. But at the end of the day, the decision has been made not to move forward with, with any sort of special um, uh, uh, situation for them. So what happens with that? Does the current, or does the, uh, the current uh, Attorney General, David Lamenti, does he change that? Does he give the Prime Minister what he wants? How does that move forward? Well, it's ultimately up to the Attorney General to decide what happens. But if the deferred prosecution agreement has been stopped, if they've decided not to do that, then you're right. They'll continue to um, pursue a prosecution. And of course, they have to be found guilty. And at present, the rules are that if they're found guilty, they lose the right to bid on federal contract for 10 years. Who's to say that that might not be changed? uh, Or used to say that that won't be changed and they will just lose the right to bid on uh, contracts for 10 years um, and let the chips fall may w- where they may. So um, uh, it's it's really only the beginning of chapter one in a pretty long saga, I think. So after the day is over, and again, we haven't finished watching this testimony by any means, um, what, do you think, uh, what, what do you think Gerald Butts is trying to get the public to take away from this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think what Butts wanted to do and what he needed to do was rehabilitate his role as the prime minister's personal fixer and also to try to combat this narrative that the feminist prime minister seems to be bullying uh, his women uh, cabinet ministers. And his testimony today suggested he was uh, on very friendly terms with uh, Minister Raybould Wilson, uh, Wilson Raybould, and that he was very surprised that the interactions they had could be understood as pressure since they were friends. And I think that's the takeaway. Uh, what about his performance? What about how he's doing? I mean, you mentioned that uh, he explained himself quite well in in his uh, his recollection recollection of events and, and the fact that she hadn't formally uh, formally come out and said no, I guess, or or, or that's what he's saying. Uh, he he articulated his point. What about his performance? Yeah, so you know, Marshall McLuhan used to famously say, "The medium is the message," and by that he meant it's just as important in how you say things as what you say. And uh, while people are listening to the content of Butts today, I think the way he presented himself by suggesting he 
uh, using his character um, throughout the testimony. He was very deferential and polite to questioners. He discussed his relationship with uh, the former minister in glowing terms. Uh, he quoted texts that suggested they were on good and on good terms. He suggested he that was being on. said was asked to produce those and is unable yeah. to produce anything other than uh, well he said he couldn't produce uh, the prime minister uh, office emails because they were weren't under his control anymore and then was unable to recount or or, or provide others of a, of a personal nature. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, and I missed a bit of this testimony, but I guess some of the texts happened on his personal phone and yeah. some of on his government phone. So. So, uh, what do we know anything more to date? To this point, uh, you know, at twelve twenty-three, do we know anything more <laughs> than we didn't know before he started talking? I mean, if the elevator line about this testimony is, but says it's complicated, and that reasonable people can disagree on the same experience, that's the entire takeaway. Uh, what do you think the public is is going to take away from this? Well, I think the public wants to know um, whether there was any ethical uh, violations. And there's, a, there's an inquiry going into that now. And uh, the public want to know if uh, uh, there will be a significant loss of jobs in Quebec. I'm sure many Quebecers are wondering that very thing. Um, so that, to me, is the big takeaway. Uh, does this neutralize, to his testimony to, to point, does, his, does this neutralize Judy Wilson-Raybould's in any way? Well, that's what's so masterful about this, is you can believe Wilson-Raybould and also believe Butts and not be in contradiction. Because Butts has continually and regularly through his testimony said, I'm not going to question the veracity of my colleagues' statements. So I'll leave it to you to draw conclusions, but I'm not saying she lied. I'm saying that reasonable people can disagree. And that's a really safe and smart response, I think. Uh, what about when asked about Jane Philpott's resignation and uh, one of those asking questions was reading excerpts of her of her statement uh, and how she had lost confidence? Uh, again, what is being said between uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Gerald Butts and, and their prospective staffs is one thing, but what about with the resignation of Jane Philpott's? Well, that's a huge blow because she has enormous respect both in the party and government and in Parliament as well, and seems to be, by all accounts, a very honourable person. Um, what, to me, this raises is the question about appearances versus reality. Uh, the Prime Minister has maintained this image as a modern feminist who understands um, uh, issues uh, from a gendered perspective, and... Um, the two female cabinet ministers are saying they weren't li- they weren't being heard, and that uh, this was in some ways a bit of an old boys club. So um, we will see what happens when Parliament resumes if there is more bleeding and if he can staunch the bleeding through a uh, act of contrition that he might make. Uh, I think that would be good for Trudeau at this stage, um, but it can't continue to go on as it is. So I'm getting, Jonathan, from what you're saying to me, that you think today went well, so far has gone well for Gerald Butts and well for the Prime Minister. I think it went really well for Gerald Butts. I was, uh, I, I, I was really uh, kind of impressed with what he had to say and how he said it. Um, 
The prime ministers are more of a wild card. Uh, I think he needs to leverage the goodwill that Butts has created in the testimony and also demonstrate some contrition as well. We'll see if that happens. Do you think women will feel differently than men do about this or the, the way I, you do? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I, I, you must have an opinion. Well, I can easily understand the claim that um, these are two powerful men overruling and vetoing their senior and intelligent, smart, uh, able women. And that doesn't look good substantively or optically, frankly. All right. We'll have to continue to watch. It's not over yet. Jonathan Rose, thank you so much for the time. Associate Professor at Queen's University. Jonathan, thanks so much. Thanks, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Interesting, as we're hearing and seeing reaction to uh, what happened earlier on today, Gerald Butt's testimony uh, in regard, uh, of course, we remember what happened last week with Jody Wilson-Raybould and her testimony. Uh, Gerald Butt's side of the story uh, was revealed today. Uh, Jagmeet Singh says, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and Gerald Butts promised Canadians they would be different than the cynicism of Harper or the corrupt cronyism of Martin and Credchan, but what Canadians got is the worst of both. Uh, so, again, the reaction um, uh, from uh, Jagmeet Singh, certainly uh, not positive, which, of course, I guess we can expect from uh, all levels of opposition. It'll be fascinating to see how the public digests this. Uh, basically, what Gerald Butts was saying, that uh, we had the same conversations but arrived at uh, different conclusions. It's going to be fascinating to see how uh, this all plays out. Uh, in the days moving forward. Let's bring in Yaroslav uh, Baran, Principal, Earnscliff Strategy Group, and is with us now. Yaroslav, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Your thoughts on what you saw this morning? Well, um, I'd say Mr. Butts, uh, he, did a, he, he did a good job in terms of his tone. He, he struck the right tone. He didn't come in as arrogant. He didn't come in as, uh, as any kind of a bully. And that was, that's table stakes. He needed to do that. And he also needed to come in with some kind of documentary uh, evidence backing up his, uh, his version of events. And he did that as well, you know, copies of emails and, and transcripts of text messages and so on. So he needed to at least match um, Ms. Wilson-Raybould in style and in preparedness, and that he did. Um, I think what his objective was clearly was to try to wrestle this down to a he said, she said over questions of appropriateness and pressure. Uh, It remains to be seen whether that's enough, and I'm not sure that is enough, but if that was his objective, I think he uh, he did a pretty decent job at doing that today. Was his testimony as believable as hers? Does it depend on who you ask? Uh, did he, you know, you mentioned that he, he did seem to counterpoint quite well, but did he have the depth that she did? Um, he didn't quite have this, uh, the same level of detail uh, that she had in her testimony. She provided far more verbatim transcripts, and you know, she quoted more extensively from... Uh, from documentary evidence, yes, but he, uh, by and large, I would say he he certainly came close to matching her uh, in presentation on the measure of credibility. However, I'm going to put a big asterisk uh, beside that, though, and and I'm going to note something that Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale mentioned the other day. Uh, The Public Safety Minister said that pressure, quote-unquote, is in the eye of the beholder. And he's right. Uh, Pressure, uh, you know, things are always in the eye of the beholder. However, in situations like this, 
the only beholder who matters is the one on the receiving end. If you're dealing with judges mm. or prosecutors or juries, and let's remember she was the top prosecutor in the land, then it is only her opinion that matters. If a, if a prosecutor feels like they're being leaned on, they are being leaned on. If a jury feels like it's being intimidated, then it is being intimidated. And that's where even matching her on credibility, and look, he's a smart guy and he's a credible guy, I'm not sure that's good enough. Uh, and 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 by trying to create, you know, same conversations, different conclusions, a he said, she said, how does the resignation of Jane Philpott complicate all that? Well, it complicates it certainly because uh, the Prime Minister's office and their allies can no longer experiment with the kinds of narratives that they were playing with, like, uh, this is all Jody, she's not cut out for it, this is a big league, she's not, you know, she's not a team player, all that kind of you know, anonymous character assassination stuff that they were trying to put out there that never, that never stuck. But by having a, a second senior credible uh, minister, and let's, let's remember, uh, Ms. Philpott, was, she was considered a rising star. She was, she was one of the chief fixers for this government, impeccable credentials, impeccable credibility. That, that really upped the, uh, you know, up the ante on the government. They, they could no longer make this personal about Jody Wilson-Raybould. They had to address the issues at hand. Are you surprised that didn't come up more? I mean, I was in and out because of being on the air and such, but are you surprised that the resignation of Jane Philpott, I know that they did mention her statement uh, in what she said when she resigned. Should we have heard more of that? Oh, boy, there's so much. <laughs> there's been so much that it's hard to, it's yeah. hard to accord everything the attention it deserves because there's, there's, uh, there, there's, also, there's also a whole bunch of questions coming out of uh, the clerk's testimony last week and how appropriate was, him to be, uh, uh, was it for him to be acting in such a seemingly partisan manner. I mean, there's so many questions to answer all over the place. Uh, what about uh, the response yesterday from uh, Finance Minister Marneau and the Prime Minister as well that, you know, they weren't surprised that Jane Philpott's, uh, Philpott resigned uh, because they're, they're good friends and, you know, sort of blew it off as the BFF. Is, is yeah, that going to yeah. fly? I would caution them um, to tread really carefully on stuff like that. I would not go there. Because I'm not going to say this is my this is my conclusion. This is what I think of Mr. Morneau, but certainly some people did interpret it as a sexist comment that this is just BFF solidarity and that you know uh, girlfriend solidarity trumps rational decision making. You know, do you really want to go there? You, they really need to be careful in all of their communications not to inadvertently antagonize their own people, and more importantly the demographics on which they have built their brand. Um, Butts uh, made reference that uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould had not really provided in written form that she had made her decision, and therefore he thought it was fair game to keep uh, pursuing and and asking questions and and, and looking for a solution. Um, uh, Is that a valid point? Uh, You know, I would love to hear some additional expert, and by expert I mean, you know, uh, legal um, jurisprudential commentary on that point. Um, according to Ms. Rabel, uh, Wilson Rabel's testimony, she informed the powers that be of her decision back in September, and she considered the case to be closed. That, in my opinion, ought to be enough yeah. to get people to back down. If Actually, in a subsequent meeting, you know, at the Zoe's Lounge at the Chateau Laurier and all those, all those details that we got, 
She has an additional meeting with Mr. Butts to say, you know, call off the hounds, like enough, like back off, guys. My, I made my decision. If those two things aren't enough, then, like, I don't know what is. And it seemed after that that the, 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 the narrative was we, we have to find a solution. We have to find a solution as if it was her responsibility to find a solution. She had the legal answers they were looking for. Is it up to her to find a solution to this yeah. problem, or is it up to the prime minister's office? It would it would appear that they simply did not like her yeah. decision. Yeah, if they, I keep cha- if I keep asking my question, maybe you'll change your answer. Yeah, sure. And and I think what it, one of the most damning things out there, um, uh, and I I didn't catch this actually being addressed. Head on, he kind of Mr. Butts kind of got into it a little bit, um, but when he was quoted by Ms. Wilson Raybolt saying, um, "There's there are no solutions that don't require some interference," I mean, wow, that that's pretty close to a smoking gun. Um, that that PMO was saying, look, um, you know, the lobby damned. <laughs> we've got to we've got to do this, and uh, and we're gonna, you know, if that means we're gonna interfere with you to get the results that we want, then we're gonna do that. Similarly, um, another thing that he touched on today, I'm not sure if it was a satisfactory answer, when Ms. Wilson Raybolt quoted the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff saying, "We don't want to debate legalities anymore." Hmm. Is that the kind of thing you want? You want the prime minister's chief of staff saying to cabinet ministers, particularly when cabinet ministers are upholding their constitutional prerogatives and responsibilities to remain independent of political pressure? I'm not sure. Considering what you just said, does this really neutralize JD, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony? It. What What I think today's testimony does is it feeds the confirmation bias crowd. People people who wanted to believe the prime minister, people who want to give the prime minister the benefit of the doubt, I think that, they'll, that they'll, they will see enough in today's testimony from Mr. Butts that they'll, it, might, it might ease their concerns, it might calm them down a little bit, and so on. If, on the other hand, um, somebody thinks that this is a serious issue, and I happen to think it is, I, don't see, I, I certainly don't see uh, any kind of neutralization out of today's testimony. Um. As as this moves forward, either way, whether you believe uh, the testimony of Gerald Butts and it's more credible credible than that of Jody Wilson-Raybould or the other way around, after his testimony, is the Liberal Party, uh, is it in the same place it was prior to the testimony? I think, I think they're a little bit better off uh, right now than they were uh, yesterday. And again, the main reason for that was a confirmation bias piece. The, the liberals, the card-carrying liberals who are starting to really get uncomfortable about all of this, I think they took some comfort because they heard enough plausible things uh, from him today that they can choose to believe that if they want and, and, and kind of calm their nerves a little bit. So on that measure, I think they're a little bit uh, better off. But, but that's an internal morale issue uh, among the general public who is apolitical or doesn't know how, how it would vote or potentially vote switchers who liked this whole Trudeau thing last time and um, thought, hey, let's give it a whirl. I'm not sure that today's testimony helped, um, helped uh, with, uh, you know, with the broader public. Again, going back to uh, the, you know, uh, trying to sell same conversations but different conclusions, 
okay, uh, we've heard both sides of the story. Uh, we can understand how perhaps this happened. Does it still make it right? Well, uh, that's the point I was trying to make with the, you know, when you're dealing with prosecutors or judges or juries, um, it, it doesn't really matter how you felt if you were the one applying the pressure. Uh, if the other person felt pressure, and especially if they felt pressure and told you to back off and you didn't, then that's still, that's, that's still a big deal. And I, I, would, I would love to hear a response from Ms. Wilson-Raybould, uh, having heard Mr. Butts' testimony. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think there's already a move afoot in the Justice Committee to try to, 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 to bring her back. Will we hear from her again, do you think? She, will she come back to this committee? Um, like the, the 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 committee dynamics have been a little bit funny. It's been sort of seesawing between the liberal majority on the committee, kind of steering it into safe uh, into safe waters, versus recognizing that there's public pressure to to give this an honest go. And they've been kind of vacillating between the two courses. Um, committee members are already talking about it. The, all the opposition uh, members on the committee seem to be already talking about the need to to bring her back. Uh, so far, the liberal uh, committee members are uh, on the fence. Um, where does this go moving forward? Where does it leave the issue? Obviously, there's this, like like anything, there's more questions than answers once someone has answered questions. How will this change once the clerk of the Privy Council, Mikey, uh, Michael Wernick, gets up there again? Huh. The main thing I'm looking for when Mr. Wernick testifies is will he maintain his course from last week? He really shocked a lot of people last week uh, for two reasons. First of all, he had that that really, you know, bizarro preamble that was completely off topic where he was predicting that there are going to be political assassinations this fall. And yeah. Kind of like weird, weird stuff. But possibly, if that, if that wasn't weird enough, um, a lot of jaws were dropped in this town during his actual testimony once he actually got on topic. And uh, because he, to many, uh, to many people, he seemed to cross the line uh, between the kind of behavior uh, we expect from public servants, you know, disinterested, neutral, professional public servants mm-hmm. versus political staff. Yeah. And when the clerk, the top bureaucrat in the land, starts to make interventions to cabinet ministers citing the fortunes of liberal parties in elections based on what this decision may or may not be, that doesn't tiptoe up to the line. That, like, leaps right over it. And I've heard from a lot of uh, senior uh, public servants in town here in Ottawa since then who've been kind of wincing, saying, you know, the integrity of our institution has taken a hit, has taken a hit because of him. Especially when the prime minister says, yeah, what he said? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, quickly about the, there was a rumor, or sorry, uh, 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 story started floating yesterday that a national pharmacare plan was coming down uh, at nine o'clock this morning. Dr. Eric Hoskins was was going to uh, inform us about that. I, I found it odd. I was watching CTV News last night, and they were saying uh, Toronto Star reporter was saying they interviewed Dr. Hoskins about this uh, a week ago, and he said, "Well, this isn't even coming out till the summer." And then all of a sudden, blammo, um, they're, they're talking about a national pharmacare plan, and we find out 
you know, after, of course, this morning, that uh, it's basically just an interim report of saying what is coming. Your thoughts on this, on, on trying to lob these balls out to distract us? There, you know, th- this, is, this is something you, you see commonly from a crisis management uh, uh, perspective. They're clearly trying to put stuff in the window to aggressively, fiercely pretend this is business as usual and look at us and look at us governing and look at us doing stuff for the nation. Um, in fact, what we've seen over the last week or so is an acceleration of the announcement uh, schedule. All governments operate on on a highly uh, orchestrated, uh, not orchestrated, maybe it's not the right word, but but a highly uh, a highly thought out. Uh, schedule of announcements. This is traditionally done in the Prime Minister's office. They have people responsible for this. They're coordinating announceables between all ministers, all departments, essentially to make sure that ministers aren't tripping over each other, putting too much stuff out at once to allow important announcements to, to have time to resonate. And, and also to not have tro- you know, long troughs of, of nothing being announced. So it's, it's, a, it's a managed thing. And what we're seeing now is suddenly, basically, the, the frequency of announcements is, has, has about doubled. So they're definitely aggressively trying to create the impression that, hey, we're working, we're working hard, and this S&C stuff is a distraction, and look at us, work, work, work. Problem with that is I think they're overdoing it, and none of these announcements are going to have time to resonate at all. And it's just going to end up being background noise. And the one story that people are paying attention to is still going to continue to to, to rise above all of that. Uh, Will Jane Philpott be heard from again on all of this? One way or another, she will. Um, I can I can assure you that that her office is being deluged by uh, media requests for for commentary now. Uh, now that Mr. Butts has testified, um, we'll have to wait and see how she chooses to respond. She will, in some way uh, or other, will she hold a press conference today? Will she issue a statement? Will she write to the committee chair asking to uh, to reappear? Um, we will hear from her again, guaranteed. When will we know if the dust has settled on this? Well, we'll know when um, when uh, people start talking about other things. Mm. Um, <laughs> you're in the news business. So now the debate is around the water cooler. So who do you believe, yeah. one or the other? Exactly. And as long as that persists and as long as, as, long as this continues to be a top story, you're in the news business. You, you know how it works. Yeah. Uh, news editors know exactly what pe- people are paying attention to because they know what kind of stories are shared and commented on and, and that sort of thing. So as long as you guys keep carrying it as a story, uh, that's usually a function of, of how, you know, how many people are talking about it and to, to what degree it's, uh, it's still top of mind among the public. As long as they're new uh, and and ma- especially major new developments to this story, and there there has been one every single day for a month now. Then this thing's got legs. Yaroslav Baran has been with us, Principal Earnscliff Strategy Group. Yaroslav, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. It was a great pleasure. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Talking about the uh, and pretty much have been uh, all day, exception with the uh, R. Kelly story. Uh, about the testimony of Gerald Butts, uh, the uh, former advisor, head advisor for uh, the prime minister and uh, his side of the story after hearing what Jody Wilson-Raybould had to say uh, in regard to the SNC-Lavalin affair and uh, her feeling undue pressure from the prime minister's office. Scott his side of the story today. It'll be fascinating, uh, although uh, when asked if Jody Wilson-Raybould could come back, the liberal-dominated uh, committee said no. <laughs> 
I'm not sure how that's going to fly, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, uh, what Gerald Butts got to say was uh, in a wider timeline than what she was restricted to. So uh, since the clerk of the Privy Council gets to speak twice, you would think that maybe the person who's at the, at, at the source of all of this uh, might might want to also be heard of again. And I, I believe the public is going to demand that. Uh, that being said, it'll be fascinating to see if uh, that, in fact, happens. Uh, after the testimony, here is what uh, Conservative MP Lisa Raitt had to say about the experience. Well, I think Canadians are going to be pretty ticked off, to be honest. Mr. Butts today testified on points of time that Jody Wilson-Raybould said she could not testify on. And then when we put forth the motion, when Murray put forth the motion to have her come back and testify again, the Liberal members of the committee decided, well, we've heard enough. Nothing to see here. Nothing new can come of it. And I think that's atrocious. All right, let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, a principal for Alyssa Freeman PR, is with us now. Alyssa, how are you? Thank you for joining us several times this week. Oh, I know, but there's lots of juicy stuff to talk about, right? Your thoughts on what you saw this morning? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday on the radio, and some of us thought, well, the only move they can really do is apologize and maybe say heads will roll and kind of, you know, stop this, staunch the bleeding, get it off the the front pages of, you know, the headlines and, and move on. But what they did, I found, was very interesting. So I think that Jerry Butt's whole MO, he's very composed. I mean, this is a guy who's a warrior mm-hmm. in politics. You know, he is not new to uh, contentious issues and dealing with contentious issues. I mean, uh, he was around during e-health, um, managing Dalton McGinty's office. So he's sort of seen and and done it all, with the exception of maybe this. And I think that there, his whole MO was to plant seeds of doubt. I don't think you're going to change the minds of the people who support Jody Wilson-Raybould, but he gave his own version of the issue and of the situation and of the timeline and of the conversation. And if anything was to be accomplished by that, he was very even-tempered. He wouldn't uh, be drawn into into anything that was contentious or would uh, lead him down a road where he would say anything negative. But his job was to plant seeds of doubt by telling his version of the story. And like it or not, that's what he did. Um, so was his message same communication, different conclusion, same conversations, different con- conclusion? Pretty much. Or same conversations, this was my takeaway. Same conversation, I'm going to fill in the blanks where, that she left. And I think one of the most interesting things that he said was, is that uh, it was a few times he said, well, I learned of her uh, feelings on the issue or of her decision from watching her testimony the other day. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And you know, you know that Jerry Butts has been working with legal counsel. You know that his whole testimony, I mean, nobody is freelancing on this, right? No. No one's mailing it in. (laughs) reading from a piece of paper because it has been vetted six ways to Sunday, so there are no mistakes made. So his testimony was was gone over with a fine-tooth comb, and he said everything he needed to say in order to plant seeds of doubt in the minds of Canadians who may have been who may have been maybe on the fence about her testimony or wanted to hear something at least uh, somewhat credible from the from the liberals so it's very interesting on how that will play out 
I found it interesting that um, that that he had said that she never made any decisions. So we just thought this was all still fair game. There was no sort of all right. I've made my decision. Um, uh, back off. Whereas her her department had already made the call. They were looking for her to override it, and they were looking for her to come up with some sort of solution. Is it her job to come up with a solution? Isn't it the prime minister's job to come up with a solution and her job to make sure it is within the realm of law? Well, like they're asking the wrong say, person. You know, it's like, it's, it's like I'm going to keep asking the question until I get a different answer. Well, I think what he was saying was that he felt that it was still in play and that he felt that there wasn't a decision made. And he did that by, or he questioned that by the whole text exchange that he read where it's like, let's meet for dinner, a couple of things I want to talk about. And they had a nice dinner, and he left you know, feeling really great about it. And it was sort of the first big conversation they had had in a long while. And not once did this ever come up. And he also tried to plant the seeds of doubt and said, listen, you know, this is a whole new realm of law. It really hasn't been used before. And we suggest that if you're having any questions about it, go seek outside counsel. You know, he didn't, I think he was, he was trying to be careful in not to go down the he said, she said road. I mean, he did, but I think it was more about what he said. And he didn't say, well, she said that, and then I said this. Well, this is my version of the events. And so you are left to draw your own conclusions as to, well, does he have a point? Is he right? Or is she just grandstanding? And the way they made and, and what they did, the, 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 the takeaway that they wanted to leave in Canadians' minds, I think, was this. She didn't like being demoted, so then she put the wheels in motion in order to make a big stink about SNC-Lavalin and act as a whistleblower in order to show her displeasure. Are you still buying how she got demoted? I mean, it was interesting him telling that story. Uh, and still blaming this all in the shuffle of Scott Bryson. Is anybody buying that? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it maybe. You know, there are some people who might buy it, and he did, you know, say that, um, you know, it was his job to sort of keep, you know, open communication lines between... How can you drop so much subtly if you're in the game of communications, though? Again, you know, we all know that political speak well, is, that, fi- that is, is filled with... Scott, is filled with... Uh, we know that political <laughs> speak is all... all, all uh, often very subtle, coming in the back door to say something that they really mean. Um, that being said, does that make it appropriate? Uh, I, you know, I think appropriate's gone out the window here. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I have to be honest with you. And, true, excuse me. As my mother Bless said, you. I just sneezed the truth. But, um, and, and I think it's just a matter of, I mean, here, here's what I think that they thought. They thought, well, everybody's heard her testimony, and everybody's up in arms, and they believe her two to one over the prime minister. And then there was, in, in the interim, there was the big rally at the Danforth Music Hall. And I don't know if you saw that rally. That was bizarre. That was bizarre. And he was, Trudeau was amped up. And oh, yeah. he had all his front ministers, of course, all the women. Yeah. Um, that he could find. Catherine McKenna, Christy Freeland made a made a statement. I mean, if you saw Catherine McKenna when she was, uh, you know, exhorting, his, doing his introduction, it, it was sort of reminiscent of, you know, Howard Dean's scream. But mm. 
Anyways, <laughs> he came in, you know, in a rally like this was, you know, this is who I am and, yeah. and, and this is who I want you to believe I am. And, and, you know, that's all in the past and let's move forward and look how great I feel. It was really, really odd. So then, in between that, then of course, there is supposed to be uh, some sort of meeting in Regina, and then they canceled that. Of yeah. course they canceled that, because they all ran back to Ottawa, because they knew that Jerry Butts was uh, testifying today, so they were all hunkered down, strategizing yesterday. But that was also because uh, Jane Philpott resigned, and that threw a whole wrench well, into the testimony. And of course, yes, of course, that, that was also a, a big thing. And the other thing that I think we have to remember is this, is that every communication that they have come out in their defense, that they have come out with, has been really, really weak. So after Jane Philpott resigns, what did they say? Well, you know, it's her friend, so of course she resigned along with her. Oh my gosh, I mean, Scott, can I get any more offensive to any woman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that what they had to do was really turn the dial. They had to turn the channel. And the best way to do it was with somebody who is, you know, listen, no longer part of the PMO, still on his campaign team, by the way. Hmm. Um, no longer in the PMO, and he was to provide as his job was to provide as an objective as possible version of the events and create the main takeaway of she got mad that she was demoted and decided to dredge all this up with her version of the story, and that's why we're here today. Hmm. That's my takeaway. So either way, uh, who you believe, whether you believe Wilson Raybould's testimony or Gerald Butts, which is the same, I guess. And again, this is what the, uh, the liberals are selling. Same conversation, but a different con- conclusion. Mm-hmm. Who, who, how do the liberals look after this? You know, what I did before I talked to you, I kind of went on some of the message boards that were reporting on this from a smattering of various media. And I was wondering what people would say. So, you know, five days ago, or was it five days ago or a week ago, um, uh, Wilson Raybould gave her statement. It was all, this is disgusting, we believe her, Trudeau is doing a terrible job, he's an imposter. You know, all the reaction towards Trudeau and his Liberal Party was very, very, very negative. So then I go on some of the message boards today. And it's, well, you know, that was interesting. Well, you know, I guess maybe he has a point. Or, um, you know, normally if you're going to make a big decision about something, you just don't do it via text and you do it all in writing, especially when it has the gravity that it does. And this is normally what happens in the everyday workplace. So I wouldn't say that that was the overwhelming sentiment by any stretch of the imagination, Scott. But I would say that it was in this very sort of micro way, and I haven't done like a big analysis of this yet, but in a very micro way, it was starting to plant the seeds of doubt. And if that is the case, then it was mission accomplished. So is the tide changing on this? Is the, is the court of public opinion changing? I think that's too early to say. I mean, Wernick has just finished testifying and Duran is testifying right now. Um, you know, they, they control who gets to come back and who gets to say what. That was my next question. Uh, they asked to bring Jody Wilson-Raybould back, and they said no. How can you not bring her back? <laughs> I, you know... Especially, especially when the clerk, especially when the clerk, because they can't, because it's a liberal run decision. It's their sandbox. They're exercising. They go, listen, we've done enough. We had Jerry Butts testify. There's no way the prime minister is going to testify. Uh, We brought back the um, head of the Privy Council. So you're bringing Wernick back. Why not bring her back? Yeah, well, a lot of people are asking that question. 
And, you know, why not? Well, they just figure it'll get more into a he said, she said, he said. Uh-huh. And then who are they going to bring back? I mean, after Jerry Butts goes up and, and, and has fallen on his sword for his long-term friend, Justin Trudeau, who else is, is supposed to come back and rebut that? Well, the only other person left is JT. Um, will, what, what can Justin Trudeau say after all of this? What is he going to say today? You know what's interesting? Uh, what he, whatever he says, I hope that he reads it off a piece of paper too. <laughs> you know, I think that when he freelances and um, you know answers questions, sometimes from the heart versus what is more politically astute, he gets himself into trouble. And I think that he realizes that he can't do that now, especially in in this situation. He's certainly going to have to say something. He just can't stay quiet. But, you know, he has been quiet about this um, over the past few days. And even at the rally in Toronto, he, you know, didn't want to talk about that. He wanted to talk about climate change. You know, he wanted to talk about all sorts of other things. You know, there's a new budget coming down. So there are opportunities for the Liberals to change the channel. And a budget is a really good one. And it's interesting, while everybody, you know, a lot of people who are anti-liberal are just, you know, rubbing their hands with glee and um, thinking that this might be the end of the government. But, you know, you ask other people and, you know, water cooler conversation is, you know, so what do you think about this? Did he do the right thing? And some people say, well, he tried to save jobs. And that that is another narrative. Now, it's interesting that... Gerald Butts mentioned that, and he emphasized that, that it is a very important point. But his main, um, you know, his main thrust of his, of his testimony was to plant seeds of doubt and to create another side of the conversation. Because they, they say there's two sides of every conversation, right, Scott? But depending on the story, sometimes there's three sides, and we're never going to hear that third side. Uh, that being said, is this distracting away from the actual SNC-Lavalin case and, and what the, the new Attorney General, uh, Lamenti, will, will decide? I mean, is, is this dead in the water for SNC-Lavalin? How do they take this, you know, over and, and, and above the he said, she said, how do they move this case forward or backwards? Well, if it goes to the courts, I mean, a company like SNC-Lavalin can certainly drag this out for years upon years upon years, Right. And uh, because they have, but are we missing? Are we missing? Are we missing the impropriety, the crimes here? The and again, whether it's 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 legal, it's not legal. Something still stinks here, does it not? Well, it does, and I think it depends where that blame is going to lie. So, is it going to lie straight with SNC Lavalin to to figure out, or is there going to be some sort of reparation within the Liberal Party and then the government to to figure out? And I think what they're trying to do, the Liberals are saying, well, listen. This was our version of the event. She is obviously a disgruntled minister who didn't like being demoted. Scott Bryson left. We had to make some changes, and, and that's what happened. I mean, you know, you can speculate, you know, all day as to why she was demoted. I mean, it was certainly the trigger that um, everybody was very, very surprised about that, especially a lot of um, Ottawa watchers and just general political watchers. And I think it took a reporter such as, you know, Bob Fife to say, well, you know, something's rotten in the state of Denmark here. The problem with the SNC-Lavalin issue is that it's very, very complicated. It's like peeling away, you know, the layers of an onion. And it's 
complicated for the average Canadian to understand. But here's what they do understand. They understand lying. They understand imposter. They understand uh, lack of transparency. And they understand, well, this doesn't look like sunny ways, if you ask me. That's what they understand. So the enduring legacy from this issue, I believe, is the portrayal and the lack of transparency from the Liberal Party. And that's what they have to shore up. Now, remember, you know, Canadians' minds, I mean, any voter's minds, six months out from election are, you know, things things turn on a dime. Nobody could have uh, seen this coming uh, three and a half weeks ago. But, you know, the house of cards, the cards kept falling and falling in a way that nobody would ever have have predicted. So, you know, I, I think that there will be opportunities to change the channel. I think that the opposition parties will do everything within their power in order to, um, you know, remind Canadians of the faux pas of the liberal of the liberal government. But it will be interesting to see the polling, and I'm sure there will be more polling coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. Today is Wednesday. There should be more polling polling coming out, you know, tomorrow or the next day, to see if the needle has been moved. Alyssa Freeman has been with us, principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. Always, as always, Alyssa, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you, Scott. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.